And we're welcoming all of you out there in the noosphere. I like that word noosphere. I think I first heard that back in the 70s and it meant the world which is knowledge. It's like you have ecology which studies the environment. The noosphere is the knowledge and perhaps culture that we all share. We're doing it here with the Poetry for the People podcast, a podcast that originates out of our Poetry for the People class, all of us in this studio, and I'm going to be having my fellow two poets introduce themselves in a moment, are in a Tuesday evening class with Tamina Khan, titled Poetry for the People, and you can tell just from the title of it not only what the genre of creation is, but what its purpose is, which is to get poetry out into the world. One way we do it is through this podcast, and I'm going to have today's guests introduce themselves to you briefly in turn. First of all, the lady to my right. Hello. Well, I am Bruna Brito. I take class with Tamina Khan. She really inspired me to write poetry, and I never thought I could write poetry. And when I start writing, everything came out so naturally, and it flowed so well, and I could see the images in my mind, and I could feel the senses, and it was just wonderful. And then when I read... I was in shock. I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> Plus, which you're sharing it with all of us. Now, the lady to her right. My name is Monique Kohler, and I've always wanted to take this class, but since I work, I had to wait till it was offered in the evenings. And I, I was for years really interested, loved the poetry of June Jordan. And since that class was associated with June Jordan, that kind of attracted me to it. That makes sense. Bruna, people may be able to guess from your accent and from the spelling of your name <laughs> that you were not necessarily born in the United States. Where did you come here from? Well, I am from Brazil, Goiânia. Goiânia is um, near the capital, Brasilia. I came to the United States when I was five years old. And I've been back and forth since then, so it has been a journey. <laughs> All right. Monique, how did you get started in poetry, and what part of our big continent did you come from? Okay, I was born in the United States in New Jersey, but my parents originally came from Austria, and they spent some time in Peru because they were refugees from the Nazis. Wow. So I think I was one of the first I have one other sister who was born here, and then I have a brother and sister who were born in Peru. So I think I was born very soon after my parents came to the United States. Do you feel like maybe that international background influenced your accent at all? Oh, yes. I think I got the accent from my parents. And uh -huh. I also have an international outlook. <laughs> I'd call that a plus. I think that's very, very important nowadays to have a world outlook. Bruna, I'd like you to begin by telling us which of your many poems you picked to uh, start out with today. Okay, well, thank you. 
I'm gonna read Thoughts Arrive and One Million. Thoughts Arrive, it's a poem that inspired me to write in the morning. I woke up and I was feeling like something was missing. And all these feelings arrived and I felt a tremendous anxiety and and then I thought about it well if I'm so anxious about it and I I do not know why I'm so anxious why I don't sit down and write maybe this this will help me calm me down understand more of my feelings share more with others maybe others can understand me better and I think poetry it brings us all together because it's a form that we can be in each other's shoes because we can feel the other person's words and what they are saying so we have more compassion towards them. It's almost like music in that way isn't it and your country of brazil is very well known for a special more than one many special kinds of music that were created in brazil and then got out into the world yes true (laughs) all right give us your uh, poem okay so thoughts arrive sitting at the couch i start crying Then I heard a voice. Was it my thoughts? Don't cry. I smile. You are beautiful. I laugh. No one is here. No one can listen to me. Why I cannot cry? Crying, my dear, will make you old. Do you want to be old? Have someone listened to me? I wonder. I am threatened by my own thoughts. I fear, but who does not fear? I am threat when thoughts arrive. My thoughts are like in a dark stormy day. Storms so loud. What have I done? Nothing can be fixed. Honey, you are so wrong. Honey, everything can be fixed. Everything? Yes, even without eyes you can see. You can thread without eyes. Even without hearing, you can listen. Even without walking, you can get married. And you can drive. How do I move on? Secret hurts. No one knows how it feels a life full of secrets. A man once told me, I am like sugar. I wish I really knew why he said I am like sugar. He said, addictive and dangerous. Ha ha! I look out of the window. Obstacles. What are obstacles? And you see obstacles? You have a life full of chances and transformations. Don't waste time of full of guilt. You can create your new world to eyes you don't see. The past does not live in the future. A man cannot judge. Who are you to judge? A man does not know who I am. I am who knows who I am. I am sin. 
you are sin. Right or wrong? Wrong to be happy? I wonder today, to what purpose can a past kill me? The past will not kill me. I am who forgiven me. I choose to forgive myself. Do I deserve? Yes. Why? I was born to sin. Why? I don't know. Why will I kill myself because I do not know? I was young and afraid. I was alone. I am alone. How could I survive? I am human. So now I just choose to be happy. Judge me? So judge, but I will be happy. Nothing, no fear, no guilt, no ghost, not a human can stop me to be happy. I choose to be happy. The end. Oh, well, that's great. Thank you. Uh, I, that feels to me, I, d I don't know how you heard it, Monique, but I'm hearing a real healing kind of thing, a kind of a, a progression towards healing in there. And I have to admit, I was totally surprised by the dialogue. You're hearing the poet, the author, reflecting on herself at the beginning, and suddenly this other voice comes in there as a total surprise that's very interesting, very dramatic. Monique, which poem are you going to start out with today? And I think what we'll be doing is kind of going back and forth here. I'm going to do goodbye to Aardvark Books. Aardvark Books. I remember Aardvark Books that was on Castro Street just off of Market, and it was such a valuable, fascinating bookstore, and that kind of thing is just disappearing these days. There are very few of them left. Actually, it was on Church Street, but you're close. Church. All right. You're right. Yeah. Not my neighborhood, but... But a great place. Anyway, please uh, share your, your words about Aardvark books. Okay. It was a big part of my life, not only because I bought books, but also because whenever I was short of money, I would sell my used books, and there he bought more of my used books than any other place. <laughs> okay. Goodbye to Aardvark Books. The bookstore is closing. Aardvark Books, which bought my books when I needed cash. Aardvark Books where I researched the fight for freedom and justice in Chile and reggae musicians. Aardvark Books, where I spent hours reading and bought magazines. In its last days, I went in search of Maya Angelou, walking past empty shelves they were giving away. I salvaged the poetry of Jack Hirschman, Stephen Sandy, Julia Alvarez, and Louise Erdrich. One of my homes is gone. Wow. And we do definitely miss it. Bruna, I'm curious about how much experience you might have had with poetry back in Brazil and whether you have a perspective on how poetry is doing. What does it mean in the culture of Brazil? Well, I haven't been in Brazil for so long, so... I do not really know about what's going on there. <laughs> I don't think, like, there are poets, really great poets there, but they express more romance, love, and country music sometimes becomes poetry because, 
Well, because music in general is poetry. The singer is expressing his emotion on his songs. So I think everything in life that we see, that we hear, it's poetry. Everything connects. Do you think there's anything about Brazil that is influencing your poetry, even though it's been so long since you were there? Are you seeing anything Brazilian in it? I wouldn't say Brazilian. I would say from the education that my parents gave me to always love one another, to be patient, to understand, to put yourself in that person's shoes, to listen to them, to be attentive. So I think poetry is more about being attentive to what you see, to what you hear, to what you want, to what you expect. And it's beautiful. <laughs> what was it that you chose to do your next poem about that you're going to be sharing with us today? Well, the next poem, it's, <laughs> it's really different from this one that I was talking about, anxiety. Oh. <clears throat> because the anxiety one, it's just really interesting how when you Google it and you try to find poems about anxiety you don't find them (laughs) maybe people are afraid to uh, write about it they're anxious about their anxiety yeah people are afraid to (laughs) express and you know show the real you on what they write and why they write so is there some (laughs) is there some real you that we're going to be hearing now in your next poem Well, the next poem, no. The next poem, it surprised me because it's it's something really different. Oh, all right. (laughs) Well, it's called One Million. One million could bring happiness. Cold river in a hot day of 100 degrees. Fahrenheit can bring one million lives happy. That's simple. But one million can help save a person's life. So sudden happiness does not need one million dollar to make you happy, human. Or does one million pair of shoes make you happy? How the cost of one million dollar lingerie can make a woman happy? How about one million Louis Vuitton purse to make you happy? Trend, you say? Is trend at all matters to make a human happy? That's what you say. It's okay. People judge. I am not annoyed, my friend. What if I say yes? Trend is what makes me happy. Is what make her happy or we? Have life been robotic? Woman, are you happy to live like you are a pleasurable machine? I please the society because that's what society demands of. That's so I can be happy. You can be a machine to just please your religion, or you can please just 
your husband, if that way you prefer. Are we pleasing ourselves? Well, we can if we want. You say you are happy. I say I am happy. Friend, can you hear me? We have to please others to be happy. You say one million of compassion can bring us happiness. You are precious. You do not need to please the world to make them love you. Do you want them to love what you have or who you are? Road is not hate. Road is fragile. Road need love. The road needs people to be compassionate. One million, yes, one million of compassions can bring one million of days of happiness. A one million dollar can pay for an organ to bring life back. I do not judge. I am not judging. I want your happiness. You say you are happy. We want each other happiness. That's why we care. Then this is what you choose to make you happy. Be happy then. And this is what I choose to make me happy. Here is one million dollar so I can see you happy. Mm. It, it's great to have taken this term one million, an amount which is going to get the attention of the reader, and then you apply that amount to a bunch of different things, and in the process get us reflecting on what our values are, or maybe what they should be. Yes, exactly. This poem shows more about what you value and what you judge others because they value something completely different than what you value. So it shows what their priorities are, and everyone have the free will, so we can choose what we want. Right. And we don't have any right to judge any other, mm. because we don't know what they have been through. But I wrote this poem, I don't know <laughs> how to really say it, how, how it happened, but I just thought about one million, and then I just thought about people's lives and social media, you know, because everyone in social media on Instagram are expressing themselves as more as a product. So everyone, it's value more brands than value a moment with your family. So maybe we should not be striving towards necessarily getting one million listeners to the podcast, but <laughs> we, we can dream a little bit. I, mean, I, I think we're going to be pulling them in. Good job. Very good job. And Monique, I get the feeling also from the various poems you've shared in class, the things that you've talked about and commenting on other people's poems, values are a big deal to you. As you pointed out, there are things in your background that give you a global perspective. And with that perspective, you are looking to what people need to maybe how the world can be made a little bit more right. That's the impression I get. 
And I'd love to hear you, if you want, talk a little bit more about that and maybe in the process, introduce us to the next poem that you're going to be reading. Okay. Well, I didn't think it would come to this, but I guess maybe the fact that my parents were refugees from the Nazis and hearing about the Holocaust and growing up in the 60s when there was a civil rights movement and learning to love nature. So and seeing how, you know, a lot of nature was being destroyed. So I was ready when the environmental movement came along. And then also my parents told me from being in Peru about how they saw a lot of the economic inequality there and the poverty. Uh-huh. And so that, that's something I felt strongly about, that, you know, we should have more economic inequality and more economic and social justice. Sort of inequality also very much present in Brazil. And getting exaggerated again by uh, political problems down there, I think. Oh, Brazil. (laughs) Uh, No comments about what's going on there. (laughs) Monique, uh, what's your next poem about? Okay, this is uh, called Seasons of Childhood. Now, this is about my very early experience growing up in elementary school and my experience of nature and the seasons. Where was that? This was in southwestern Connecticut. Oh, okay. On the shore of the Long Island Sound. Hmm. That's what I call it, Seasons of Child. The winter, the cold sting of icy air. To go outside, you need to be covered by the sweater, parka, hat, gloves, rubber boots over shoes to keep out the snow. When I was in elementary school, we always wore these rubber boots over our shoes. We take them off and we went inside. Trees bare of leaves, branches sparse lines against the sky. Chill wind blows my hands, face, and legs, and the tights and skirts don't keep out the cold. My breath turns to fog. So one day at the bus stop, I squatted over brown grass for some warmth. February brings a slight warming, an omen of coming spring. Melting snow forms little rivers and ponds. The wet earth and ice give a fresh smell. The first elementary school I went to was built over a field and swamp. There was a tree that was growing out of a well. They wanted to keep the tree alive, so they built this wooden wall around the tree when they filled and filled in the earth. So a circular stone wall was built around a sunken tree forming kind of well. And there were trenches crossing the front yard. One late winter, they filled with water, and we waded in them in our rubber boots. Once we slid down banks of snow that were crossing the yard. Melting snow tells the return of leaves and the bloom of flowers. Days of carefree time outside without layers of cover. Then will come summer, freedom from school, wandering through the color of garden and forests, swimming in the waters of pools, creeks, and the sea. That kind of reminds me, I would have to admit, of my growing up in the state of Maine. I think what you've depicted for us, I don't know whether you can feel it, Bruna, but I'm kind of feeling that chill, that thing out of that kind of air in that kind of season. It's really very much of a picture that you painted and also a climatic thing that you've conveyed there very nicely, Monique. Thank you. Thank you for that one. Bruna, what, uh, what's going to come next from, from you? Tidal waves. And would you like me to hold this paper for you? <laughs> Thank you. Br- Bruna is now doing it the 21st century way. She's going to be reading a poem from her smartphone. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, it's called Tidal Waves. The air is what we need to breathe. Thousands of people or more smokes at night of anxiety, of confusions, of being lonely. The sun rises at the colorful green-blue ocean. Swim blue, tidal teal green-blue, fish story green-blue. The man quests the ocean for some illuminating day. He observes the ocean and notices the sun projects varieties of blues at the mystery sea. Then he wonders, how could staring and observing the tidal waves bring peace to my heart? <sighs> so I wrote this poem because I think when we are feeling lost in life, and we need some answers, it's really good for all of us to go around nature, to go watch the ocean, the waves, the birds, because it will always light up something that you need to do or what you should do at the moment. It kind of uh, puts us in perspective. In fact, our uh, professor, Tamina Khan, on one particular day, marched us out of the classroom and down a little path near the, the building where our class is held. And we had, I guess, clipboards and stuff in hand. And she said, basically, out of all of this that you are looking at and feeling right now, take notes and maybe start and eventually write a poem out of all of this. And the poems that came out of that were fascinating. Yeah. Different. Well, poetry for the people, it's for all of us. It's not for people that only know history or that know great poets or great writings. We all can write something unique, beautiful, and writing, it brings peace because we put all our emotions in that paper. And when we do, it's like we are going to a counselor and, you know, expressing our fears, our emotions. So when we don't have a counselor to do that, we can put in our journal or take a walk at nature. So I wrote this poem because I feel like it brings peace to our heart. It's something simple. And sometimes we don't need much. And life sometimes can be turbulent for a day, for months. But it's not forever. Believe in a beautiful day. Something great's going to happen. And it will so it's important for us to be on the now and be attentive to our feelings and to the people that we love. And in getting beyond ourselves, too, another thing that I think comes out, has been coming out through the Poetry for the People class is our universality. I think I'm getting that really with both of you 
Bruna and Monique in the studio today, two people with fascinating, deep backgrounds from outside of the United States. You are essentially bringing the world into the studio today. We get to discover things about each other and in the process realize what we all have in common. Monique, what about your next poem? Okay, well, in the class we had to do a poem about music and dancing, so then, you know, we were assigned to do something with a musical rhythm. And so I decided on this, and I decided on something which kind of unifies the different generations and the different types of music, because I know, like when I was young, I looked down on music of the 50s because I thought that sold, but actually the <laughs> music of the 60s wasn't really my time because I was a child, and then in the 70s I got to that music, but I see some things that, like every generation, when they're teenagers or young adults, they want to dance and they think their music is you know, the thing. We've actually had people in class playing music because we have something, a feature of the class called Poem of the Week. And interestingly, what some people have brought in for their Poems of the Week are actually lyrics from songs. What you get to realize is that's another place where poetry is. Monique, in fact, in our last class, did a presentation about Kate Wolf. Anyway, let me not stop you any further, Monique, from uh, going ahead with your poem. Okay, thank you. So we dance to the beat. Jazz, ragtime, rock, punk, reggae, metal, youth of the 1920s, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, uh, 2000s, all ages, all colors. We become one with the music, one with our partners and friends. We dance to the beat and forget our fear, sadness, and let loose our bodies and spirits. Great. Dance to the music. That was also a um, title of a song by Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, yes, I remember that one. I can put in a little plug here because I don't know whether you guys knew, but I wrote a biography of Sly and the Family Stone. Oh. It's published. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to read it. was a tough job, but somebody had to do it. But <laughs> yeah. I, I have always loved Sly's music, partly because it gets into your soul and down to your feet and makes you want to dance, which is what some of the best poetry does. True. With bo both of you ladies today, in your poems, there has been pulse. Yes. Uh, the lines, it, it isn't necessarily a one, two, one, two kind of thing, but there is rhythm in uh, the lines you wrote and the way you read it. I so much appreciate your coming in today. Thank you very, very much. We're going to send our thanks out also once again to our beloved teacher, Tamina Khan, and to our marvelous, marvelous producer, Nicholas Harder. Those of you who have comments, maybe about what Monique, uh, what Bruna read today, your reactions to what they read, you should be finding my email address when you click on to the podcast. Please keep listening. There has been quite a few podcasts before this one. There will be more to come. Thank you for listening. Uh, Monique and Bruna, thanks for coming in. Well, thank you for having us here. Keep <laughs> listening you. and keep writing. We will. And I hope all of you do too. Okay. <laughs>
Okay, and thank you. It's been a great experience for me. This is the first time I've actually been on radio and recording. So that's I hope step. it won't be the last. Thank you. Thank you.